welcome to the Daybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Nizam, and together we'll tune into stories, lessons, and insights from everyday individuals on how they've navigated major crossroads in their lives. My goal is to inspire you with proof of what's possible and how to thrive when the tides of change come knocking, because they almost always do. Hi, everyone. Happy December. This is typically the time we take stock of our lives and reflect on our resolutions for the new year. I personally think any time is a good time to set goals and go after them. But if you are looking to make some life changes in the new year and would like to consider a coaching program, then this episode is a great starting point. Our guest today is Jill Valentine, a transformative travel life and leadership coach who is going to give us a flavor of her coaching program in addition to sharing the story of her own personal transformation. Jill has had a bit of a wild ride since COVID and has embraced a non-traditional way of living as a means to adapting to the changes in her life. It's been periods of absolute chaos, but Jill, through her numerous explorations and travel experiences, has adopted an attitude of deep gratitude and adventure and is confronting change head on. So I invited Jill to share her story, her observations from coaching individuals feeling stuck in their lives, and some of the practices and mindsets she follows to stay resilient and energized about life, irrespective of the craziness that is guaranteed to feature. So tag along and listen. I promise you'll get lots of inspiration today. Hi, Jill. Thanks so much for joining us today. You describe yourself as a transformative travel life and leadership coach. Tell us a little bit more about what that means and how you came into coaching. So what? What that means is basically I am a life coach and I run programs that help people deepen their sense of purpose, meaning create that shift in their lives. And the transformative travel piece is I actually take people abroad on volunteer experiences. So it's like part of the curriculum. So it's a three-month program. And in the middle, we head abroad and we volunteer in a community in need. And it's a pretty incredible experience, a chance for people to get out of their comfort zone, give back and do just deep inner reflection. People come away feeling clarity around their purpose, confidence that they can actually make what they want um, to have happen in their lives actually happen. And they come away with an incredible uh, community of people and support to live their best life. How I came to do this, I worked for years in nonprofit, but wasn't really feeling like I was living my best life, to be honest. Didn't feel like I was really making the difference I wanted to. Didn't feel I was using my skills. Felt, eh, been a bit of a rut. Doing the same old, partying with friends on the weekend, going to work through the week, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And then I went and spent a year living in Uganda doing disability sport development, which was my field before, before I left. And it was the most incredible year of my life, personally, professionally. Then I came back to Toronto and was really down. And I was like, what is going on? I came back engaged. That should have been like the best time. I came back and I was like, like, life just sucked. Truly, I was like, uh, I just felt isolated. And I was like, I don't want to go back to the nine to five. I've had this like taste of freedom. I couldn't imagine the right kind of job that was going to fulfill me. My sister's a therapist and I'd always thought like, maybe that's a cool thing to do. But it wasn't totally me. And she was like, what about life coaching? And the more I looked into it, I was like, oh my God, like totally up my alley. Totally, I feel like my skill set would be served. So I took a coaching course. 
And through that, I did so much self-discovery and a lot of it was related to my time abroad. I came to realize my values were present in Uganda, totally not present in Toronto. Like, so as I finished up the program and everyone, of course, is like, who are you going to coach? What's your niche? Something inside of me kept thinking it's going to be around service. It's going to be around volunteering. And then I spent a month in the Philippines helping and volunteering after Typhoon Haiyan and talking with a whole bunch of volunteers. And they were having these incredible experiences, but not sure how to process it, didn't know how they were going to go home and have a life after such a meaningful experience. And I was like, this is it. Life coaching is crazy transformative. Volunteering abroad is crazy transformative. If I bring the two together, how life-changing will it be, not only for my clients, but also for the communities that we help and volunteer in? And so I set forth to do that and have been doing that uh, since I ran my first program in Belize in 2015. That's an incredible story. And I think everybody is looking for some component that takes them outside of their comfort zone and not just being coached in a room or via Zoom and then no ability to practice that and implement that. So can you give me an example of somebody who's been on this, what their experience has been, what their takeaway has been? So many people come away with varying um, transformations. Uh, one of our very powerful programs is our Courage Community Kilimanjaro um, program, which uh, I'm actually running again in February. It includes a week of volunteering and then a week of climbing Kilimanjaro. One client in particular, her experience doing the physical work of the volunteering and then climbing Kilimanjaro gave her such a deep sense of belief in herself and what she was capable of. She just started a business and she came back and thought about what she had accomplished. And she thought about that every day and was like, if I can do that, I can do anything. And the next thing you know, her business was at six figures in no time. And it was because she just had shifted into such a deep believing in who she was and what she was capable of. So it meant showing up on social media differently, stepping into her leadership. So that's one example, more entrepreneurial. We've also had people come and get deep clarity around their values and what they believe in and have returned home to change their jobs. Not necessarily full careers, but leave the company that they're with because it wasn't in alignment with their values and who they were. And so going to find a company that was more in alignment with their values. A lot of people come because they're feeling whether it's stuck or whether they feel there's more to life. Maybe they've climbed the corporate ladder and are like, is this it? I've reached this point that I thought would feel different, this level of success. And they're feeling a lacking of maybe meaning in their life, of a deeper sense of purpose. We also get parents, their kids are a little bit older and they've found, I've lost myself a little along the way. I've been just like really focused on family and others. And I have disconnected a little bit from myself and who I am. And they're looking to rediscover who they are, what they can contribute to the world, especially if they're about to head into an empty nester or a new empty nester, that shift of not having kids to focus on. They're at a little bit of loss. Again, we've had a couple of early retirees in that similar boat of what am I going to do with this newfound time? And maybe you're feeling a little bit of, I want something more purposeful, something more in service. Or like I said before, a little bit of a lack of belief in themselves, whether they're on the entrepreneurial journey and just feeling a need to deepen their sense of 
belief in who they are and their personal leadership. And to be honest, we also get people who are just like, this sounds awesome. A week of volunteering and giving back, using our hands to build. Maybe they're just looking for an adventure, something to shake up life a little bit. I, I know um, what people are taking away from this coaching engagement and this travel experience. But what do you get out of it? Oh, my gosh. I do this for so many reasons. There's so many amazing shifts that take place. So me getting to be a part of that journey of growth for them is amazing. When we volunteer with a local community, we usually physically go and build something that they have requested, whether it's a storage shed or a women's shelter. And so again, getting to see that community receive the, the time and energy that we get to put in and then also get to give us back their energy and their love and just being with them is so fabulous. Personally, I always have discovery, learning each time I go as a leader. I believe deeply in not being at the front of the room, but being within the circle as we share and as we go through the coaching program. So I don't expect you to go deep and into places that I'm not willing to go as well. So lots of great growth um, and exploration happens for me as well. And I get to give of my gifts. I know what my skill sets are and I get to use my gifts to make a difference. Like I said, in the lives of my clients, in the community we visit, that in and of itself is an amazing gift to be able to use your skills and strength to, to help others. So there are so many things. And I get to travel and I get to climb Kilimanjaro and push myself out of my comfort zone and exert physical energy and um, help others through that kind of a journey. There's just so many amazing pieces to what I do. A lot of people, if you ask them what their gift is to, to the world or to, to community or people in their lives, they might not be able to answer that confidently. And so I'm glad that you can recognize that and, and speak to that about yourself. But talk about growth and, and learning. I am of the belief as I've gone through this process and continue to grow through this process that also humans struggle with happiness, that consistent happiness is not part of the human experience. And struggle is more natural to us. We're built to struggle and built to evolve. So what does fulfillment and happiness ultimately mean when people do the work? I say there's two things. One, I spend my days doing things I find purposeful. And so that can mean working on my business, which has a deep sense of purpose. We change lives and communities. So there's a daily sense of purpose. I wake up and I know that what I'm going to do is going to make some kind of a difference. So that's one of the things that I feel for the people who aren't happy. There are so many jobs that I've done before. I was sitting at a desk, pushing papers around, going, what? Truly, if I disappeared, it would make no difference. Not even just the work. My day didn't feel fulfilling. So the idea of finding a sense of purpose, and that can even be, I'm just going to be of service in my job. I'm going to help my teammates. I'm going to help my boss. Like It's that kind of deepening an actual sense of what am I here to do each day? So that's one of the things, because honestly, feeling like we matter, feeling like we're relevant, feeling like our lives mean something. The lack of that can be very defeating. It can really make you feel hollow and empty. So finding purpose, and it doesn't have to be this like huge, big, I'm going to open an orphanage in Uganda purpose. It's just like, there are days like, we'll talk about Airbnb. There are days where I'm like, my purpose is to get my house ready. So I'm going to Airbnb, pick up my daughter, be a great mom for the afternoon. That's today's purpose. And it doesn't have to be earth changing. 
this, I know that's what I'm doing. And I feel good at the end of the day when I've done that. So that's one piece. The other relationships are huge. There have been study after study that have shown that the people in your life impacted significantly in terms of happiness and health. And when I talk about happiness, I don't mean I go around smiling 24-7. The general sense of contentedness, not feeling crappy and down, just fairly enjoying life. And your friends and the people around you are significant in that. For me, I have fostered some incredible friendships. I just feel very fulfilled with the people in my life. And I make sure to interact with them, whether it's phone calls or seeing them. And that's something that we do explore through our coaching is the actual relationships and people in your life, because I do think it's one of the pillars of happiness. And the next is appreciation and gratitude. I have a hashtag like aggressively grateful, which is what I feel <laughs> a lot of the time. It's not just, oh, I'm thankful. It's a deep feeling of gratitude. And I think that actually came because of the extensive volunteering that I have done. I have seen truly some intense suffering around the world and locally. And so even in the small parts of my day, I'm, I'm constantly feeling grateful. I walk my daughter to school and I just feel this incredible sense of gratitude to be able to have her and to be walking to school together. Whereas a lot of moms are in like hustle mode, we gotta get to school because I gotta get home. And gratitude brings you into the present moment. So it's actually one of the fastest happiness hacks. The more gratitude you can feel, the more you're present and the more you're present, the more you can just be and you're not worried about the future, you're not regretting the past. And that brings a lot of joy and happiness into life. I recognize the extreme privilege I have. So I take that in all the time. I don't go to a place of what was me. I go to a place of wow is me. I really love that you talk just about waking up every morning and you're like, my purpose today is to take my daughter to school or whatever. It is the small things. And we never give her credit for getting through the small things. We only give her credit for getting through the big things. So the rest of the time that I'm surviving is just unimportant. But aggressive gratitude, I, I will use that hashtag. That also just helps put so much in perspective. It's not even that I'm grateful all the time. Just when life things come up, I'm like, yeah, could be worse. Or I, I want to say like, I keep my expectations low for life, for the things that bring me joy. It doesn't have to be the huge. I have no desires to like own a multi-million dollar yacht. I'm happy camping with my friends. The things that bring me joy and appreciation are relationships and people-based. And that's, I want to say, easier to to manage than having like crazy superficial dreams of things that actually leave you very hollow. And even just recognizing that can help in terms of having perspective and putting, knowing where you want to put your time and energy. Um, the reason I actually want to interview Jella is she told me this story about her life, which was a little bit untraditional. And I was like, but that's so cool. We aspire to a husband, two kids, a picket fence and a house and a and dog, but there are different ways to live. So let's come to your personal story because I know everyone's had work in the road through COVID and I think you've had a really interesting one. Yeah. So obviously running a travel business that was difficult when COVID happened. So there was definitely a big hit in terms of my business. And then I separated from my husband and found myself moving back into the city and also found that my sister was giving birth. And her partner was still living in Scotland, has a contract. So she was here. He was born in NICU for the month. Her partner was here and stuff, but then had to go back. And so she was like left with this baby here. And so I moved in with her and uh, night nannied for her. So I would watch little Caleb every night. He does not sleep well. So it is quite <laughs> an undertaking. 
And I had my daughter on the 225 schedule. So she would come and it would be this whole thing of putting her to bed somewhere and then bringing her down. So she would be sleeping in the same room with me and Caleb. In the meantime, I figured I have my new place that I've bought. I may as well Airbnb it. So I'm bouncing back and forth, Airbnb my place at my sister's, living with her, having my daughter in different days. So for the past year, living this life of night nannying, supporting my sister through her first year, and also just going through my own separation and getting the business back on track post-COVID. Sounds like you couldn't use some sleep, but you look great. Um, you. But I think co-living is an interesting thing. Airbnb, your place is an interesting thing. You have to think outside of the box and be a little bit comfortable being uncomfortable when you're going through these moments. And I think you said there's also just a lot of joy that's come from this. As, as much as there's been stress and, and sleepless nights, um, I'm sure you've connected with your sister. What stuck with me is that we don't have to stick with what we've always known. There are other ways of doing things and getting through life, and it doesn't have to meet somebody else's bar. It just has to meet a bar that gives you an ability to get through to the next day. And then over time, to be able to recognize the goodness of what you're going through. Yeah. And it has been amazing. Like you said, we've spent tons of time. I was going through my separation. She's figuring things out. Her partner's coming and going. And so just the emotional support that we provided each other was, has been incredible. My daughter being able to feel like she's got a little brother in a way. Right. So yeah, there's been super positive stuff. And of course, the struggles, it's been tiring. It's been hard to wake up after a night and then be like, okay, work. work. Trying to get business back after COVID and all of that kind of stuff. Definitely challenges. And I do think there are people that would be like, what? That seems crazy. Just the idea of such an alternative way of living or co-living. But we've even talked about, hey, when her partner's back, we maybe we should all just buy a house together and co-parent the two kids. Serious? Who knows? But these kinds of ideas that most people would think, that's crazy. I do know people that have made these kinds of decisions and that intentional sense of what actually works. It doesn't have to be all separate homes for everyone. I look at so many people I know living in isolation, alone, single, and I'm like, hey, I would love to live in more of a communal setting with shared spaces for dinners and hanging out in the evenings and we can still have our private space. I believe in these alternative different ways. And maybe that's because I have traveled as much as I have been and I was such alternatives. Yeah. I was thinking in Asia, I mean, that's how people provide support, how they manage finances and live their levels of loneliness in some of these other countries is significantly lower than it is here. Overall, people have figured out a different way to coexist and put community at, at front and center. And so that means they get back a lot of support. I, and I think that's a big piece of what I've taken from a lot of my travels is the way of living more in community, more intentional about relationships and having daily closeness, not just Facebook closeness or I see you on a weekend, but like really the way things used to be. I, my mom talks about like one of her best friends used to just come over in the mornings, like not even knocking the, just come in, scoop up one of the kids, bath them, like whatever. And this was just like this lovely way that they played out their days and stuff. And I was like, wow, like nowadays we like schedule play dates and we like make <laughs> arrangements to have a phone call like a week from now. And I'm a big like, just pick up the phone. Let's chat now. Let's just spontaneously make plans for the evening. I love that. Like just the way it should be. You covered something I was thinking about, which is that these living arrangements could be the norm going forward as women have choose to have children on their own. 
as the cost of living becomes so expensive, what do you think individuals in midlife can do to better adapt to these new realities? What's the mindset? Because I think that's where partly the world is going now. And it's also partly where the world needs to go in terms of just putting community ahead of the individual. Yeah, I think that's it. You've nailed it on the head. I think we need to get out of this meat. Our society is so all about us and our private space. And we drive around in our private cars and we live in our very private houses. And I think we need to break that down and be intentional about it. I think buildings and communities need to be built with the idea of community being more at the focus. And I've seen it now with some communities and they build like a little community center in a park in the middle where everyone can come. But why don't we build condos that have a big kitchen so people can gather in the evening? Think of the benefits of living in the kind of space where you'd be connected with people. So that mindset of getting away from the me and my personal life and opening it back up to really being a member of a community and not being so afraid of our neighbors and looking out for each other and realizing, as Mike from Wayfinders talks about, his favorite quote right now is, we're all just walking each other home. When you actually sit down and talk to someone, we all want to be connected. We all want belonging, but we live our lives just this sort of pre-programmed way. And if we can break down some of those ideas and connect and really let each other into each other's homes and lives, I think that's when we can really start seeing a real shift around this sense of isolation and a move towards a more communal way of living where we are living in community and in relation with each other. You're definitely inspiring some ideas in me or needs, but I really, I want to get to one kind of big last thing that before we, before we head off our own ways. And so I recently saw one of your Facebook posts and it was reminiscing about this crazy adventure that you took about 10 years ago at a time when we're just younger and probably dumber and more open to risk. Uh, but you signed up to randomly do a, like a 500 kilometer bike uh, ride from Brussels to London when you'd never actually owned a bike. So maybe tell me a little bit about what prompted you to do that. Yes, I was in that place that I believe my clients are before they come and work with me. I was in that place of life's okay, but I was bored. I was going to my job and hanging with friends. Nothing fulfilling, nothing exciting. And I saw a Facebook ad for this 500 kilometer bike ride with Right to Play. And I just was like, that just sounds fun and awesome. And it'll push me out of my comfort zone. It'll spice up my life a little, just change things up. I was a little insecure and things at the time. And I just thought, what an amazing confidence builder if I really push myself to do this. And yeah, I hadn't owned a bike since I was a kid. I hadn't been on a bike in like easily a decade plus. My friends were like, should you maybe get out on a bike and see how you like it again? I was like, if I do that, I'm not signing up for this. So I was like, I'm just going to sign up. I signed up and then went out, bought a bike and just started training. And there were days, there was those clip things with your shoes and I would like literally be on a bike in the intersection, like over, like it was all the things, which that was the whole thing, building a ton of courage, a ton of confidence. I had to lug my bike on a plane through the London subway system. There were 200 riders. I knew nobody. Everyone else was from the UK or some part of Europe. And it was legit. I didn't actually know if I could physically do this ride. I signed up thinking it was 90 kilometers a day. And shortly before I left, I was talking <laughs> to someone. They were like, no, it's 90 miles a day. And I had no idea. I was like, oh my gosh. So it turned out to be like 140, 50 kilometers each day. It was crazy. But 
I was just in that place where I needed something to spark my life, get me out of my comfort zone, do something new and novel and go abroad, have an adventure. And this was the most awesome adventure. And um, I completed the ride and I felt an incredible sense of accomplishment. And that's the kind of stuff I do now, right? Like I take people, we climb Kilimanjaro, similar kind of opportunity, just spice things up. But when I came back, I felt rejuvenated and refreshed and so proud of myself and a deep sense of fulfillment at what I had accomplished. I certainly had an incredible sense of, wow, if I dedicate myself to something and push it and, and do things like I actually can accomplish pretty incredible things. Um, and so envious and I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I really need this adventure now. But here's the two, probably one last question and one last question. In your Facebook post, you acknowledged that community was what helped you get through. And I'd love you to just hit on that one more time, just because we live in a digital first world in a world of incredible busyness where loneliness has become an epidemic. So tell me about that. And how do you build community to support you? Okay. So basically I'm on this bike ride, it's crazy. I was fortunate I met a couple of girls about my age and we started cycling together. But my biggest fear, like these roads are not well posted. We're following parts of the Tour de France and I'm terrified. I don't even know how to change a wheel on my tire. I'm not a cyclist. So if I break down, I don't even know what's going to happen. If I take a wrong turn, I was legit even in the middle of it, very anxious about getting lost, getting left behind, having my bank break down. I met these other two girls and then we met, I think it was like four or five men and we all came together as a group and we committed on the first night at dinner that we were going to ride the next few days together and just stick together as a team. And that sense of knowing I had people that were just like, we were going to be together. We were going to support each other. We were going to take time. And yes, there were some of the men who could have totally flown and done the whole ride so much faster but they were like no let's do this together that's the priority let's finish this and and do this in community and we did and at one point I literally went tumbling off my bike and my bike was all wonky and had that happened alone and so I probably would have just sat aside and cried because I had to refix the bike and make it all straight again and all these things but instead I had these amazing people who literally helped me out brushed me off were there when I bawled my eyes out from the shock of going off the road, got the bike all set, set up. And I felt it was very metaphorical for life, right? Going through life, it's hard. There's suffering, there's struggles. And knowing you have people going through it with you who will support you, be there for you, is crazy powerful and truly game-changing in terms of just happiness and lessening your stress and everything. So one of the things when I came back from Uganda and I said I was really unhappy here, I recognized I did not have community. I did not have a group of friends in a network. So I went out and intentionally created that. I literally friend stalked a couple of people. Like <laughs> I actually met a woman at a few events and I was like, I love her. I love her energy. I want to be her friend. And she was going to other events and I would attend them. And then I literally strategically sat with her. And at the end of the day, I was like, what are you doing now? She was like, I was thinking of going for a run. I was like, oh my God, I'll go for a run with you. And so I took the friendship outside of this business event. And she's now one of my closest friends and has actually co-led one of my experiences with me. But I was very intentional. If you want to date, you got to put yourself out there. Same thing with friendships. You have to be willing to, when you meet people, be the one who follows up and makes the coffee plans, putting myself in situations to meet people. So I went to events that I knew other entrepreneurs would be at, other coaches, other moms when I was in the mom mode, 
I was willing to be emotionally uncomfortable and put myself out there and say, I'd like to be your friend. Would you like to go for coffee? And it feels awkward. And sometimes it's a hit and miss. You go and you have an okay time, but it doesn't click. And then there's other people that you're like, I love this. This is awesome. Let's continue. And you literally develop an amazing friendship. So I've been blessed. I have the most incredible community and I've intentionally joined communities that exist. Aside from community, what's one other thing that would help people more comfortably ease through moments of stress, struggle and moments of transition? My big belief is self-awareness. Knowing who you are, what you're capable of, helps you to navigate through things. The more you know yourself, the more confident you can be. And the more you know yourself, the more clear you are on what you want in your life. So when upheaval comes, it's not total chaos. Yes, it can be. But then you're like, but I know where I'm heading and I know who I am and I know what I value. And as long as I keep honoring those things and heading in my true north direction, I'm going to be good. And calling in people when I need to and knowing when I need to. All of that kind of self-awareness is really really important to navigating the challenges of life. I was about to end off this interview, but now I have another question on the back of this. Self-awareness is great. The majority of the world doesn't have it. So how do you develop self-awareness? Travel is one amazing way to flex some of your self-awareness. Anything that provides insight into us, any opportunity that gets us out of our routine, out of our familiar, is a learning. When you suddenly say to someone, are you going to get on a plane and travel for 15 hours to a foreign country? If someone has no idea what they're about to experience, it's a journey of learning about yourself. Can I do an 18-hour flight? Or how am I going to feel? How am I going to pack? Am I going to freak out when it comes to buying my ticket? How am I at packing? How am I at unpacking? So travel is a huge learning for people that haven't traveled a lot. Volunteering and giving back, another huge way to learn about yourself doing things that are just different and new because it's easy to sit on the couch and answer questions, but it's so hard to see the possibility for your life because you don't know what you're capable of. And if you can't travel and if you can't go and volunteer abroad, then there are so many programs and coaching and exercises you can do. Go discover what your values are. Go discover your Myers-Briggs. Do a strengths finders test. There are a ton of assessments and learning tools. Go find out what your attachment style is in romantic relationships. What your love language is. All of that information helps you just know who you are so you can navigate the world in a way that honors who you are and respects who you are. It literally makes life easier. I went through my life not knowing who I was and then I took a coaching program which opened up a huge amount of self-discovery and I feel like it was like Jill and then Jill 2.0. I was clear on what I wanted, clear on how I could get there, clear on what I could and couldn't do to do that. Self-awareness is so powerful. So do the assessments, do the thing, have conversations with people, ask them what they think about you, get emotionally uncomfortable and just discover yourself. I have so many other questions and we don't have enough time for that. And I'm sure we'll talk again because I really want to delve into what your learnings were a little bit more about coaching because everybody talks about coaching. But really, how do you get the most out of it? And how do you know what's the right coaching program for you? Those are really tough questions to wade through when you have such a massive variety of options. So hopefully you'll come back and we can have a conversation about that. Absolutely. I would absolutely love to. I, I think choosing a coaching program is vital. 
like getting very specific on what you want, who you want. But one of the most important things is picking a coach that feels like they are in alignment with who you are. Anyway, that's my one little tidbit on that. I absolutely would love to connect again and, and chat with you. It's been absolutely lovely. And I love the, the messages that you're bringing to the world. Thank you. And I'm going to put your, a link to, to your business if anybody wants to come take a, a retreat with you and a coaching session with you to get a different kind of experience. Yeah, we're running in next uh, February. We have Courage Community Kilimanjaro. So we're a week volunteering in Tanzania where we'll be working with an incredible organization. And then we climb Kilimanjaro together. And it is crazy transformative, crazy bonding, super fun and challenging. So yeah, we want to shake up life. That's how to do it. Sounds good. Everybody be in touch with Jill. And thanks again. If you hadn't already figured it out, Jill is an adventurer through and through. So many aspects of her story resonate with me, and it's definitely on our roster to have an episode on things to consider when selecting a coach. I can also relate to living a very non-conventional life. In 2023, I got laid off from my job. About the same time, my aging father returned to Toronto on his own. So to provide him with company and the necessary support, as well as to give me extra time and financial runway to explore my next steps, I moved in with my dad and Airbnb'd my place. Was it comfortable? Far from it. I was like a chicken with its head cut off. Always on the run between my dad's small apartment in the Burbs and mine in downtown Toronto to clean between Airbnb bookings, but primarily to access my professional resources and network, my community, my gym, because, you know, gotta stay hot. I lived out of a backpack for over eight months, occasionally sleeping over at my aunt's, and never being able to find anything because most of my life was packed away in suitcases and boxes in three different places. I was cooking and cleaning for my dad, dealing with his medical issues while trying to launch a podcast and newsletter, manage two part-time roles, and find a full-time job. But see, the funny thing about Jill's and my experience is that this is so normal in most Eastern cultures. Balancing many roles, living with family, taking care of parents, multiple families living in the same household. In those cultures, people don't necessarily feel the need to leave home as they enter adulthood. Living is a communal thing. Navigating change and hardship is a communal exercise. And celebrating wins and joys are a communal event. Now, that does mean everyone's in your business when you're having a rough day and a wedding can be a thousand guests instead of 10. But you get the picture. There is no one perfect way to live. So figure out what works for the person you are, both in good times and bad, and as you grow and evolve. You do that by learning, exploring, and stepping outside of your comfort zone. And then, go out and live the life that serves you best. No judgment. And now that you've taken a break, let's go explore. Until next time, live strong and embrace the daybreak. break.